1: My VIP guest is Liz Weber. Liz Weber is a strategic leadership advisor and works with C-Suite leaders and boards on strategic and succession planning to simplify the process, accelerate implementation, and enhance impact organization As I started reading the bio, the three words, when I started putting them next to each other, really told me I need to talk to this person. we all want that person who simplifies, accelerates, and enhances impact. Beautiful. Simplify, accelerate, enhances impact. Now to broaden Liz, Liz's impact, she has written leadership books, which and has supervised business activities in 129 countries. That is maybe 127 more countries compared to me. I'm close. But it really put in life, in perspective, and has consulted in over 20 countries. Totally a global vision. Liz, welcome to Seacrest to Big.
0: Arjun, thank you so much for having me here. I'm, I'm very happy and excited to talk with you.
1: So Liz, let's jump right into, I want to, you know, take my admiration today and turn it into questions because I really want to understand. I want to go into this whole concept of strategic leadership strategic advisor who helps brands in strategic and advice succession planning. So can you, you, know, what are stories you're comfortable sharing? I don't want to know anything confidential, of course, and you won't tell me either. Anyway, some of the stories of big wins or big impact that define your journey till date. Well, I think um, I'll,
0: I'll share an example of uh, a, a, a kind of client engagement that really has impact. Um, and it's a multi-year process. Like most of the organizations that that I work with, um, my relationship with them covers several years. And this particular community bank reached out to me, and the CEO of the bank was new. Um, she had been recently promoted was taking over from the prior CEO who had been there for over 30 years. And the community bank's financial situation was not good. And she had been directed by her board of directors to turn things around and turn them around quickly. And they also said, we want you to start um, conducting performance reviews on staff and holding them accountable to get the numbers up. So she reached out to me to ask if I would help provide training on performance management for her her staff. So we started talking and I I understood the situation she was in and I said, I won't help you because your team is not ready for that yet because there is nothing to measure their performance against. You have set no organization-wide goals for them your managers have no experience in providing feedback that's effective. You've shared with me, there are no real position descriptions or no real goals for employees. So how are you supposed to provide feedback to them? You're, you're gonna kill morale worse than it already is right now. And so we started talking about, instead of reprimanding employees, how could we help first the board and the leadership team get clarity on where they wanted to take this bank, what type of bank they wanted it to become, what types of numbers they wanted it to produce, and more importantly, Arjun, what kind of culture and environment they wanted the employees to work in so that they could change this mindset from being order takers and transaction people into being really engaged, focused employees, whether it's frontline teller or the vice president of commercial lending. And so we started a process, and it took seven years of strategic planning, working with leadership development, working with um, all of their leaders, providing company-wide training, working with their board of directors to help them understand what we were were trying to do, and winning over the skepticism of the board, and working with them through a lot of employee departures that were self-selected and others that were not to... Change the culture to a point where seven years later, that bank for four years in a row has been a top 200 community bank in the US in profitability. The culture has completely changed. Where um, the last time I was there, we had a company wide training program, and employees are coming in and they're laughing and they're talking and they're talking to each other across bank- branches. Completely different environment. So a big, broad-level explanation of working as an advisor is predominantly helping the leader or leadership team. So being a leadership advisor is really helping the board or the leadership team um, understand what do they need to focus on and in what order to get the results they're looking for. So in this particular situation with the bank, it wasn't performance management. That would have done more harm than good. That now is part of the process and was part of our project, but it wasn't the first thing to do. Um, it was probably about the 12th thing that we did with them. Wow. So long answer to your question.
1: No, I love that. And you know what to me, what right away connects to is if you don't have the goals there, you don't have the culture there, you don't have the path there, what are you measuring against? And, you know, this connects to I was working with a professional golfer and he connected practice to purposeful practice with feedback. Without the purpose, there's no feedback. Mm -hmm. I really love the way you paused and helped because otherwise you would have or any other, you know, Liz would have made some money putting an amazing performance appraisal. But you would have taken something which was broken to completely shatter it and taking it to a point of no returns in the journey. Absolutely. So Liz, what made you choose this path? I'm sorry? What made you choose this path to help leaders in this journey?
0: Oh, um, that actually, Arjun, was a result of my capstone class when I was an undergrad at the University of Wisconsin in in Whitewater in Wisconsin. I was studying international business and I had taken every class and I was in my senior year and that capstone course was being taught by a man, not a professor, but an individual called Jim Farrell. And he was this thing called a consultant that I had never heard about before. But what he said he did was he worked with businesses and owners to help them be more effective as owners, as leaders, as managers in whatever they were doing and whatever they were providing to see their blind spots. And I thought, that is fascinating. But in talking with him, he said, you can't really do this until you've got experience and you've got credibility behind you because otherwise no one will listen to you. So years go by um, and you know I've worked with the State Department, I worked in other organizations, I started my own company initially as a training company And as my clientele grew and clients started getting comfortable with me and I started doing project work with with them, this leap into consulting and advisory services became a natural segue. And it really was driven by something I think you can probably relate to is the trust that I had built up with them in work that I had done with them prior. It may have been some training that I had done with them. They may have seen me speak at a conference, but they had uh, they had established a relationship with me and me with them. And that, that trust really helps to, to them value what I have to say from an advisory perspective.
1: I really love the way you build this. Is you found passion, you build confidence in yourself by seeing yourself do it successfully. You build credibility. And that led to trust. And all of us want to get to trust. What we realize is there's no shortcut. You have to do the Liz way. And as that consultant talked to you about is see the blind spot, but you have to go and do it first. And I really love that. Commitment, confidence, credibility, and leads to trust. Anytime you're starting any engagement, how do you connect and engage in the unique challenge? Because every challenge is different. And of course, after that, I want to lead to different countries. But initially, like, is there a first step that you always take in this journey of seeing the blind spot?
0: Um, t- to be honest, the first, the first thing that I, I do is I just start asking questions, and then I stop talking and I listen. And, you know, usually... <laughs> When someone comes to me and, and says, "You know, we would really love your help with X," it may be helping our our C suite develop their leadership skills, or it may be working with our board, or it may be with strategic planning. That's usually a part of what they think they need, and it's usually by listening to them and then helping them by saying, "So, Arjun, here's what I here's what I heard you just say." And then I will rephrase what I've heard them say as another challenge and then say, that leads to this type of an issue as well. And so I, I help them uncover additional areas of concern that if they're not addressed, the main reason they're calling me isn't gonna go away. Because as you all know, in, in leadership and organizations, everything is so intertwined that you have to understand how the pieces connect, otherwise you're going to have this domino effect in the wrong direction, and we want the domino effect to go in the right direction, and so I spend a lot of time initially listening to identify what else is going on that they may not realize is impactful to what we're trying to accomplish, and how can I Identify with them when we need to bring that new issue into the pipeline to make sure that we continue to make the progress that we want.
1: I'm just taking every possible note because, Liz, you're taking me to school. (laughs) And, Liz, what I like is the framework that you have. This, to me, is a universal lesson you demonstrated to any one of us in any industry. First part was easy, ask questions. Second, you said, urgent, listen. Third, rephrase. Then, you know, uncover additional areas, then validate. And at the end, it's all about not the one piece, it's about all the pieces, but more important, how these pieces connect. And then I really love the way you headline the whole thing, is the domino effect has to go in the right direction, not the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So let's make it a little fun. As you have worked in different countries, different cultures, how did you have to adapt, like any examples where you really have to adapt totally? And I'll give you a personal example of mine is, growing up in India, which is always in my heart, even though I've been away from the country for nearly 40 years, I was at a business meeting. The meeting hadn't even started. We were having breakfast and everybody was giggling at me. Over breakfast, I asked for tomato ketchup. And then somebody told me, Arjun, you forgot in India, you have tomato sauce. and after that it was simply downhill like I was being defensive and more defensive I was so are there any example stories of you know I was I'm not trying to trivialize I'm talking about a bigger picture culture understanding was very important as you build the credibility the trust that more help you move forward you
0: know I think that the the thing that I have to spend some time Researching and really keeping front of mind um, when talking with people from from different cultures, from different countries, um, and different industries, is learning the proper protocol and respect for hierarchy. because in different countries, um, sometimes the hierarchy, cannot be ignored and in other cultures there is more latitude in 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 more of a you know an informality that is acceptable and with that goes the suggested pace of change um and and with that situation it's a matter of, Adjusting the expectations of the client from the outset of, you know, here in the States, when I'm working with a client on strategic planning, that that plan building process can be as quick as, you know, a couple days to several months. Um, with a client from a culture that is highly hierarchical, and requires protocol through different layers of leaders, that process takes a lot longer. That happens in some Latin cultures and that happens, I'm I'm thinking of Germany um, and some Scandinavian countries as well. It it, it just, it takes longer. And and so with that, it's just a matter of, um, I'll just say again, me having expectations that I need to pull back on myself and having expectation differences with the clients, being very clear with them of what they can expect and how fast we can move things along.
1: And I think, you know, when you were initially talking about learn the protocol, respect the hierarchy, I was like, okay, I got it. But the moment you connected it to the pace of change and the internal calibration you want to do Right away, I think that's a gold nugget right there.
0: Mm-hmm. I I'm mm-hmm.
1: a driver. I'm taking the same Liz from your place to the airport. Or I'm bringing the Liz after a procedure home. I have to understand and respect the pace you want me to drive that day. First, mm-hmm. when you say, Arjun, I'm a little behind. I'm not going to be in the speed limit, but I'm just going to be very attentive on the road that I don't miss a turn or anything because I really don't want to lose even a minute. Mm-hmm. On the other day, understanding that today you are healing and you've entrusted me, I want to go slow. I may even ask you, hey, do you want me to pause, get your bottle of water? Like, I think it's a total different and I have to forget my natural pace. And I think that's a huge thing that you taught us there. Mm-hmm. is it's not your natural face. Mm-hmm. It is, and the two examples you gave about the Scandinavian country or Germany or South Latin America versus US, I really think is priceless. Mm-hmm. Now, shame on me for generalizing, but I'll do it anyway. Yes. Is, as you go through, are there some common traps leaders, especially leaders who are just taking on a new role, always fall or
0: mostly. Uh traps that leaders are taking on a new role fall into. The the most common thing, Arjun, that I spend time with leaders who are new to their role, new to the role in a new organization, um, is not they don't fully understand what they're supposed to do in that role. Now, I know that sounds really basic and patronizing, but what I end up talking with them about is, let's say for instance, Arjun, you're, you've you been with, with XYZ company for 15 years. And in those 15 years, you worked in the operations division and you moved up, you were manager, now you're VP and now you're an executive VP. And the jump from VP to executive VP, for many people on the surface, it's like, oh, well, yeah, he's got some more responsibility, maybe a bigger region, but a way bigger paycheck. But they don't understand what it means to jump from VP to EVP and how you need to think differently and behave differently and lead differently as an EVP versus a VP. And it could be at an executive level, like I'm speaking now, or it might be jumping from team leader to supervisor on the floor. I spend a lot of time helping leaders understand what is your role in this new job? What are you really supposed to be doing? And yes, yeah, some of that's in your position description, but you and I both know most position descriptions aren't really well written and don't really accurately reflect what they what people want you to do in a job. They don't, they don't really describe what they want you to accomplish so that they view you as successful and you feel feel successful and your team deems you successful. So I, I really help try to uncover what does that look like? So as an example, I was working with a, a woman last year, very smart, senior level woman. She, an engineer by trade, technically brilliant, um, had just been hired into a a very large organization and was taking over a new team. And she said, Liz, I've never been in the C-suite before. um, And this team is looking for me to produce. I'm not really quite sure what that means. And and one of the things that that we talked about was, in addition to the position title she had and the certain technical insights she was supposed to be bringing to the executive suite, What we talked about is looking around that executive suite table, what skills are missing, what attributes are missing that you can bring to the table and fill that they don't even know needs to be filled yet. And so that's what I'm getting at, is identifying what else can you bring to the table to help the organization succeed that they don't even know they need yet.
1: So Liz, I want to take a step back. And this is a trick question. I'll tell you the trick part in a second. So based on your entire experience and self-reflection, what would be three words or compound words that would be used to describe you? But before you answer, here's the trick. I've gone and asked three amazing individuals who know you, and I have their thoughts right here. I really want to put them both in front because I really think sometimes it's really cool to see how you see yourself. I also want to look at how amazing people who know you share about it. Okay. But I'm, it's all in good spirit. Okay. So what are three words or phrases that you use, will use to describe
0: you? Wow, this is exciting. Um, I would say I am um, honest. I would say I am straightforward. Um, and I would say... Um, I would hope I'm smart and helpful. That's four words. Oh,
1: that's fine. I think you like the other ones even better. The first one people talked about was calm. Second was calculating, but in a bracket, in a good way. Referring to strategic. Third is credible slash proven. Fourth is caring, both personal and professional. And the fifth I really want people to say about me always is never doubt when I recommend her yeah. wow and, and I think you know that's the part where sometimes you know this is what I really feel that especially for a professional like you who has so many years of experience we don't get a chance for to find out what people actually think about you know and I really feel this is uh, this was so much fun that I really love the three things you built. I think you built the building blocks on who Liz is—honest, straightforward, smart, and helpful—and the whole thing about calm, calculating in a good way. Very important because calculating could be other kind of calculating. We don't mm-hmm. go there. It's credible, proven, caring. I really think that is the result of who you are, and I really like the way both connect. So that really is fascinating. Okay.
0: Well, thank so, you. That's really neat.
1: I'm glad. So now I want to go into, you know, by saying that in your professional career, has there been any moment where you faced a challenge, adversity, where you had some self-doubt? But more importantly, I don't want to pry into that side. I really want to know when there's challenges, which each one of us have, how does Liz navigate out of that?
0: That's a really good question. Um, and I appreciate you said that everyone deals with, because we do, you know, every, everybody has those moments and, it, it, you know, all, in all candor, I, I have them, I have them, you know, sometimes when you look at the calendar, it's like, wow, there's not a lot going on right now. And you wonder, you know, has, has everything I've ever done come to me? Nothing. Um, and I, I flash back to years ago when I first started my business and, um, things were rough. It was hard getting things off the ground. And to this day, I'm forever grateful to my husband because he said, Liz, you are good. And when you're good, the money will follow. And of course, being his wife, I rolled his eyes and said, yeah, right. Um, and wanted a quicker answer. But but his his words were true. And it, it goes back, Arjun, to what we we somewhat talked about earlier in our conversation. Um, I have found over the years that when times are tough, when when I'm you know doubting whether I'm making a difference or whatever, honestly, what I do is I think back to the clients that I've had great relationships with, and I've always had great success with them, and and it's been able to help them fulfill their mission and do what they believe is important and do it better, and and it it invariably makes me feel better, and then ironically i don't know how it happens invariably the phone starts ringing again or the email start coming in again i just i reflect on the relationships and the work that i've done
1: wow love that so i want to move to a fun part of a conversation okay at the end of this podcast you open your email and you get this e-bike. you Liz Weber have been invited to plan this event. This would be an event where an eighteen year old Liz Weber, Liz Weber today, and let's say a hundred year old Liz Weber will meet. So there are two questions. Question one is, where will you plan this event anywhere you choose. And secondly, I just want to know one thing each one of you will say in that meeting. What will the 18-year-old say? What will Liz today say? And what would be the 100-year-old say? So first of all, what's the location?
0: The location would be the beach in Cabo San Lucas. Wow. <laughs> That's where the location would be. Okay.
1: And what will the 18-year-old say? The
0: um, after she says party on, um, <laughs> she probably would say... Um I hope someday I can bring my family here and and enjoy it here. Wow.
1: What would Liz today say?
0: Liz today would say, I'm happy I can bring my family here and enjoy it.
1: Okay. And Liz hundred?
0: Uh spread my ashes. <laughs> this is where I want to hang out. <laughs> right.
1: So Liz, this was a fascinating conversation. The reason I say fascinating is I really loved the way you took a step back and if you not if, you are a magician in what you do, instead of showing us magic, you showed us how magic is done. Okay, That really is the fun thing. Like Magic you watch, you know, it's okay. But seeing how magic is done and showing the framework really was fascinating. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And it's only fair that you answered every question. If you have any question for me, I would love to answer. If you have a question for me,
0: so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the question, the last question you asked of me. Where would 18 year old current Arjun and 100 year old Arjun meet, and and what would they say?
1: Uh, it has to be a golf course. It has to be a golf course. Uh. And, you know, I'll start with the 100-year-old Arjun. And the 100-year-old Arjun, the first thing he'll say, i made it. Okay? And the second thing he'll talk about is don't sweat the small things. Because, because we both want to ask that 100-year-old. Because the thing I will realized that nearly 99 out of 100 things that I was worrying are no big deal. Like, they are literally... Minor things that you can just whoosh off you, and it's the big thing eighteen year old of course, will look at by saying you guys are old, like you guys are old, like seriously, they would even look at by saying that like he the eighteen year old will make fun of things like what is that? Oh, that's a telephone Well, what do you do with that? like I really think that that eighteen year old will have a decent amount of fun. But I think at the end, the 18-year-old may want to know what was the most fun thing in the journey that you never wanted to miss out. Because I really think if I'm 18, I really want to know. Because sometimes we miss opportunities. Like, for example, when you and I met at the NSA Speakers Conference, that extra time you took for us to connect over lunch, if I never got that time from you, I would have not missed getting to know Liz. And it's the depth to which we get to know, and those are the things I think the eighteen-year-old would love to know. And for me today, I just am happy that the eighteen-year-old. Became hundred year old, so I really feel that that's the part where I would just say, "Hey, I'm just happy to be the middle point of the journey. I'm like a milestone. I'm not the destination. I'm not the origin. Like I'm just happy to be in the middle. Like you guys talk, I want to listen. So that's my two cents."
0: I love that. That's a great answer. That's Thank a great you. answer. Thank, Thank you.
1: you. So, Liz, was, this Liz, this was very fascinating. Truly appreciate you taking time, and you know, I'm glad. You talked about your husband, and during other conversations, I know what an amazing team both of you are. I wish you, both of you and you individually, an amazing journey forward. And again, thank you for taking time to share in this conversation.
0: Arjun, thank you so much. I always enjoy speaking with you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango top brand growth driver and a former fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business to learn more visit www.zenmango.com share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts